our scripture for today is from Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verses 10 to 18. You can read along on page 192 on your pew Bible. For it was fitting for him whom are all things are by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren, and in the midst of the assembly I will sing praise to you, and again I will put my trust in him, and again here I am, the children of whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to band-aids. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the said of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful, high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he able to aid those who are tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Well, here we are. We are starting a new year ahead of us. Last Sunday was New Year's Day. Wow. Week now fully into it. 2023. So we are going to begin up to Lent anyway, uh, thinking about some reflections on Hebrews. How do you like that uh, cover piece that Carol's done? It's pretty nice, eh? The Trailblazer of Our Salvation. With the art behind that, I like that. Very nice. Reminds me of an artist who's a Bolivian artist called Mani Amani, and he does it in chalk, pastel, and he makes it sort of like that with very bright colors, so I like this one. It's interesting with the book of Hebrews, uh, we don't, let's see, do I have to turn this thing on? There we go, perfect. And then I do that, there we go, a call to wake up. I've got it. It's a reward to myself, wake up, Albie. You can do this. <laughs> the book of Hebrews, you know, we, uh, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's interesting. It doesn't say. And so then we might assume that it was uh, Paul who wrote it. But the Greek text is actually quite different than what Paul's style was. So it is definitely, well, I shouldn't say definitely, but it is most likely not Paul. So then the reflections are, okay, well, then who might be this unknown writer from the first century. And so scholars like to debate all of that, and they go around and around. But one of the ideas, and I kind of think it might be the way, uh, is that Priscilla wrote it. It's one of the names put forth. Priscilla of Priscilla and Aquila. They're noted in, in Paul's epistles as teachers. And it's also interesting that Priscilla is always noted first 
And in the culture, whoever was noted first was the main person. So of Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla actually was the lead teacher there, not Aquila. But in the first century, you couldn't assign a text, a passage to a woman. In fact, it took centuries for that to actually take place, even in other languages. So if Priscilla wrote it, she couldn't say, hey, I wrote it, the letter from a Pris Priscilla wouldn't fly. So maybe that's one of the reasons why it's not noted. So I'm not saying that is the case, but it could be. Could be that Priscilla wrote it. It definitely has a different slant than Paul's writings, and it does speak, I think, a lot to our culture today. Within the, within the book, there's a lot of ethical statements, statements of practice, and we saw that in, in that first bit that we're going to look at. Um, I'm not drifting, as Bonnie just said. So the writer, which I'll call the preacher, the preacher has theological statements, but periodically there are these ethical what, so what kinds of comments. And so we begin uh, recognizing, well, here we are, this year looks uh, challenging for the world, as Danette was praying. Actually, I have a few, here are a few newscast titles that I looked up last week. Let's just, in terms of the challenge, all right? I wrote them down. The Guardian reminds us, the head of the IMF, a third of the world economy to hit recession in 2023. That's what that person is saying. A third of the world in recession. Maybe. NBC says retailers brace for tougher times in 2023. This, these are just economic statements. And then CBC says, CBC, if you thought 2022 was bad, wait until you see what 2023 has in store for the economy. That's CBC. So all of those persons, papers, different papers, news sources, suggesting from an economic perspective anyway, it's going to be a challenging year. So that's one. Certainly, again, as Danette was praying, the situation in the Ukraine is challenging. And again, I met with a woman yesterday from Moldova. Her father was born in Ukraine. They now live in Moldova, but she has brothers and sisters who live in Moscow. So it's a, it's a Russian family, Ukrainian initially. In fact, she has an aunt who lived in eastern Ukraine, and that is where the Russian community has taken over, the soldiers. So now she is actually living in, in what they call Russia, eastern Ukraine. So I asked her, well, you're, you're talking with family all the time over there. What, what do you think? Where is it going to go? And she, her comment was, it'll just go on for infinity. It'll just keep going. It'll be up and down, up and down. It will not end. That's her statement. Her family, that's how they're viewing it. Whether it's true or not, that's how her family living over there sees it. The end of 2023, there will be no solution, no resolution to this issue. That's what she's saying. Five years from now, there still will be no resolution. It'll be up, very violent, down, less violent, up, down, like a sine wave. That's, that's what she was saying. So whether that's true or not, it's a rather challenging perspective to live with, don't you think, if you were over there? 
In fact, her, her aunt is trying to get metal shutters to cover the windows of their house, which is now in eastern Ukraine, which is now Russia, right? <clears throat> trying to get shutters just to protect their house. But of course, she can't get the shutters. She can't get the metal. No one's there to make them. You can't get the materials. So she wants to do that. They have the money to do it, but they can't do it. I mean, just all little anecdotes as to how crazy it all is. So that is not meant to scare us. That's just the way our world is, right? So that as we go into 2023, there are some challenging things ahead of us for, for our world, for our country. So that that's, we see that. That doesn't mean it can't be worked out, but that's, that's the road we're on. And so from the writer of, of Hebrews and from the scriptures, these challenging times aren't necessarily new, right? The Roman world in the first century was under Nero. Well, there were lots of challenges for Christians under Nero for a for hundred years. And again, it went in sine waves. Times the Christians would be left alone. Other times they were thrown into the, you know, the games. Then they were left alone. So it was up and down. Such is our world. So in light of that, then we are invited to have hope. And in terms of the New Testament, hope is not just a wish. It is not wishing for something. Hope is trusting in something. So we're not just wishing for peace, but we are hoping in God that God will do his work. So the difference between wishing for and hoping in. All of that by introduction. So we have this first statement from Hebrews 2 at the beginning. Therefore, we must pay greater attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Here's the ethical statement. So what? Chapter 1, we haven't dealt with. Big theological statement. Now here's the so what. Do not drift away from it. For if the message declared through angels was valid, that's chapter 1, you'd have to go back and look at it, and every transgression or disobedience received the just penalty, how can we escape if we ne neglect so great a salvation? It's that first part that I really want to emphasize, so that we do not drift away from it. Not to drift away. Here we begin in 2023. The writer of Hebrews is saying, do not drift away. The writer is not assuming that we will reject the faith. There's no mention of that. They're not, he, the, she, he or she is not saying, I'm worried that you will reject things, that you just will stop believing. What I'm concerned about is that you may, may drift away from it or neglect it, some of the translations say. So it's not so much about rejecting our faith in 2023, the writer is saying, but we may drift away from it. We may neglect it. In the dive world, there's lots of drifting. In fact, there's a dive site in, in Nanaimo that I go to many times called Nanoose Bay. And then the oceans, there's always currents, right? So you go in this bay, go out by yourself or whatever, you go over a wall and you have a nice little dive. But while you're there, you're being pushed. The current is just kind of pushing you down. And if you're not aware of it, when you come back up, you're like 300 yards down. You're, 
you're way down. You're out of the bay altogether. You're way down. And when you come up, you think, where, where am I? I? I don't even know where I am. And if that's the case, getting back to where you want to get out is tricky. You've got to work against the current and get back to the place where you want to come out. But it all happens through drifting. Or you're not a diver. You're on a boat and you're on a, a river. You're fishing. And the current is kind of pushing you down. It's that drifting issue, language, that we have to be aware of. So the writer's not concerned that, hey, whatever community you are, that you're going to reject the faith. But under the pressures of living in a tense world, you may well drift away from it. You may neglect it. Kierkegaard's emphasis to keep willing one thing, to pay attention. I don't know. Do you ever find that? We get distracted. Concerns come up in our lives. We get uptight. Maybe there are health issues. Money issues, clearly. Family concerns, relationships. All of that. All the stuff that we're all dealing with at some level. Everybody. Everybody in the room here has got something somewhere that you're concerned about. And you can be distracted by that. You can be pulled apart. And so then our faith starts to recede into the background instead of being central. So that may not be your case right now. If that's not the case, great. But it might be. And so the writer begins by encouraging us, don't drift away. So I think that's not a bad reminder as we begin a new year. Don't drift away. Don't slide away. Slip, slide away, as Simon, Paul Simon writes. Don't slip, slide away, right? So the writer begins with that and then goes on and talks about a theological statement, a vision. So this is kind of interesting. Here's a a slide which a writer uses, the parable or the parabola of salvation. And this is really an overview of the theology of the whole book of Hebrews. And so what's interesting here is everything above the line in the middle, horizontal line, everything above it is invisible. It's invisible to our eye. Everything below is visible, all right? So you note, heaven is above, earth is below. But it's the invisible, visible piece we want to be aware of. And the timeline is pre-incarnation. Christmas has been about incarnation, right? Pre-incarnation, the writer uses the language, Christ is the glorious Son, the instrument of creation, the expression of the being and glory of God. Go back and read. Hebrews 4, 1 to 4, that's that. The wonderful statement, the glorious Son. The Word, the Logos, John 1. Christ before his human state. The divine Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit. So that's the beginning. Then with the incarnation, Advent, we just looked at it. We see the suffering Son, right? We see Christ. 
suffering. Why? Because he comes, he comes just like you and me. In your life, you've known plenty of suffering. Jesus knew lots of suffering too. He knew good times. But he had his share of suffering, obviously, right? And certainly the end of his life was full of it. His demise. Paul, the writer says, for a little while, lower than the angels. That's Hebrews 1 again. So his identification with us. God becoming a person in Christ. That's this middle stage. And we can relate to that because we know our share of suffering. Post-resurrection and ascension, we go to the last piece, the triumphant son, seated at the right hand of God. So the book of Hebrews looks at God this way, looks at Jesus this way. The glorious son, pre-incarnation. The suffering son, the humanity of Jesus. The triumphant son, after the resurrection and the ascension. The gospels end with that, right? Matthew 28, Jesus gives the Great Commission. And what happens? Then he ascends into the clouds. He's gone. So if you believe that, if you read that and actually believe it, that's, that's how it's presented. So that, that kind of view we want to keep in mind, all right? So that's, that's where this book is going. So then in light of that, we return to our text. And what we see here, there are three images that are used for Jesus. The first one is Jesus is the pioneer of their salvation, of our salvation. It's talking about us. Pioneer is the word archegon, the Greek. We'll read it. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, imagine that, right? That's, that's the universe. In bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. We'll just end there. Pioneer can be translated leader, big L. It can be translated hero. We'll move on. We'll see it there. It can be translated champion. The same word was used for Hercules. Hercules was Archegon. The goddess of Nike, Nike, is the goddess of victory. She was also the hero, the champion. You see what I mean? In the first century, this is an image that people know. They recognize that. You go to Athens and you go down to Mars Hill, you will see and walk around, there's temples everywhere to various gods. That was their world in the first century and for centuries before it. So in the Greco-Roman world, there were heroes. There were champions. Translation that Alan read was captain, right? The captain. It's an unusual word. It can be translated a bunch of ways. Sorry, I'm a bit dry here. Hero, champion, pioneer, captain, leader, prince. Jesus is our prince. Because he's the pioneer of our salvation. He has done this amazing work. You can think of all the Greek gods, the Roman gods. Here, the writer says, Jesus is our pioneer of our salvation. He's our hero. Interesting, in our world, how many, how many movies today in the West are about superheroes? 
There's all kinds of them, right? Goes on and on. They're all they're all from comic books. Different heroes. We need a hero to save the world. Jesus is our hero. It's the same idea. That's how the Greek Roman world looked at things. So the writer calls Jesus our hero, our champion, the pioneer of our salvation. That's the first image. It's a metaphor, okay? That's where you got to hold it. It's an image. Secondly, he's called our liberator or our redeemer. Notice the text, 1415, jumps ahead a bit, so that through death he might destroy the one who has, who has the power of death, that is the devil, why? And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. What's all that about? This one, Jesus, is now our redeemer, is our liberator who frees us. Moses freed under God the children of Israel, right, from Pharaoh. That is liberator. That is redeemer. This is an image that people understood, and they certainly understood it in the Greco world, Roman world, and they also understood it in the Jewish world because God had redeemed them, had led them through the Red Sea. That is liberator. Last week, did we not talk about Bob Marley? Love Bob Marley. And Bob Marley, what was it? He, he sang, he wrote songs of redemption. He wrote songs of salvation. He calls them that. And we talked about the fact that we, we are enslaved in our own mental slavery, Marley writes in one of his songs. We have our own slavery. We have our own mental slavery. And we need a liberator, someone who will free us from our bondage. You see what I mean? Your bondage, man, you know about your bondage. You know about it. Stuff that you've been dealing with forever, that's bondage, man. That's mental slavery. Who frees us from that? This one, the pioneer, the redeemer, the liberator, Jesus. But he only frees us if, of course, we have... If we give it to him, we have to participate. We have to join in. But that's where the writer is saying, you see what I mean? Look at that. That's death, the power of death. We, we all are going to die. We know it. Becker talked about the, the denial of death. We don't even want to think about it, right? Don't make me think about it. The denial of death. But we know we're all going to die, all of us. Well, we'll overcome the power of death and even the fear of death. You know, we can say, I'm not, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not really afraid of it. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it when it's 20 years away. But when someone says, you're going to die tomorrow, I don't feel so good about it. I might have a little anxiety about it. Tomorrow, ooh, that's different than 20 years from now. The fear of death. Well, the liberator, the redeemer, is the one who helps us to get over it. But it's an image, you see. First one is hero. Second one is liberator. And then the third one is Jesus as consecrator. Jesus as high priest. All of those temples I talked about in Mars Hill in, 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 in Athens, all had their priests. You see what I mean? 
They all had someone who would deal with stuff. All the religions did. And of course, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is particularly our high priest here in the note of consecration. He's our consecrator. Holiness, consecration, means set apart. Set apart from the rest. Set apart. Made holy. This is the one who's consecrator. Who makes you holy. Do you think you make yourself holy? Do I think I can make myself holy? I can tell you right now, after a bunch of years of living, I cannot make myself holy, no matter how hard I try. I want someone who will be my consecrator. Otherwise, I'm going to deal with that till the end and beyond the end. So the writer says, Jesus is our consecrator. He's our high priest who deals with all of our stuff. So what do we have here? Well, we have three images. Champion, liberator, high priest, or consecrator. That is what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us today. Do not drift away, okay? So then what do I have to hope in in light of not drifting away? So the vision is, here we go. The writer says, I'll spell it out to you. I'll give you three of them. He's our champion. He's our liberator. He's our consecrator high priest. And so my point now for you is which one of these images works for you? Well, which one touches you right now so that you won't drift away in 2023? Maybe you need a hero. Maybe you need a champion. Maybe you need a liberator. Maybe you need a consecrator. Maybe you need them all. But chances are something's going on in your life and one of these images speaks to you more than others. Which is the one? Which is the one for me? The writer is saying these things to encourage us. Do not drift away. Okay, I don't want to drift away. Then what will help me? What's my vision? Not just wishing for something, but hoping in something. So going to Jesus as one of these. He is all of that for us. So which one you hold on to right now, well, that's up to you. It's up to you if you hold on to any of them. It's your choice. That's the beauty of all this, right? It's the human divine conversation. How do you bring into it? How do you enter into it? I mean, if these don't work for you as, as images, well, then okay. What's another image? <laughs> Maybe the book of Hebrews will give us another one. We'll see what happens as we go. What is interesting, as we move on from this, we now see and look back that the writer uses three different quotes. When you look at that, that looks like a whole lot of words, right? That looks like overwhelming. But what's going on there? There are three Old Testament references. And the writer is going to apply them to Jesus in that parabola of salvation. Here we go. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified 
all have one Father. That's the consecrated image. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Here's the first quote, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. That's from Psalm 22. Jesus is saying that. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And again, second one, I will put my trust in you. Isaiah, book of Isaiah 7, 8. I will put my trust in him. And then the third one is, here am I and the children whom God has given me. See, we look at all that, and it seems like way, it's too much. But in the first century, that's three references, three quotes, Old Testament, that the writer, maybe Priscilla, is using for us. And now we return to that parabola of salvation. Because the first one comes from the glorious son. The glorious son says this, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. That's Jesus standing up pre-incarnation and telling the whole heavenly host, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters, the one I'm going to go get, in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. That's kind of cool. You might have to think about that. Do you believe that or not? But that's a sight from Psalm 22. Jesus is saying, before he ever comes as human, I want you all to know, who are the heavenly hosts? We don't know, but there's massive. There's a, a host of angels. There's you know, unlimited numbers of beings. Revelation talks about them. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. Jesus is calling us family. We are brothers. We are sisters to Jesus. That's the first, the parable of salvation. Second one is Jesus under the line. I will put my trust in him. Jesus on the cross, Jesus and all his questions about what the heck is going on here. I will put my trust in him. In your challenges right now, where will you put your trust? You have a question. Will I put my trust in him or not? Writer is saying another statement about Christ. And then finally, there's a third one. Here am I and the children whom God has given me. The writer is suggesting this is Christ as the triumphant son. All at the end. I said I was going to do it, and here it is. Here am I and the children whom God has given me. So this time, Jesus uses the language of children. We are brothers and sisters, and we are also his children. How much do you love your children? Probably a whole lot. You have a certain love for your brothers and sisters. I saw my brother this week. Sure, I love my brother. But there might be a distinction. Who knows? I won't say that. But you love my kids. That's a bit more intense, obviously, right? A different kind of love. It's intense. 
Earl would say the same. Love my brother. But I'm crazy about my daughter, Rachel. See what I mean? Like it's... Jesus sees us as his children. So the writer goes back, and interesting, for their argument, if you really wanted to study this book of Hebrews, you would look at chapter 2, and you would have to figure out what is the writer doing with these quotations. Surely they mean something. If you're not reading it, studying it, you're just going to fly over it, right? That's okay, you fly over it. You don't even think about it. More words. But if you go back and actually deal with it, they have to be doing something. What's the writer saying? Why are they using these references? Because, I would suggest, it says something about the Son, Jesus, the Word, Logos. It says something before, it says something in the middle, it says something at the end. So we go, what's our take home? Number one, Jesus calls us family. We've already addressed that. Jesus calls us family. In the eternal line, when we are now above the invisible, I'll be the visible, and we're up there. People you know who have already passed, they see a lot of things more clearly than we do right now. Why? Because they're on the other side. Unless, of course, they're just asleep. And there are faith traditions that just say, well, we're asleep until Jesus returns. That typically is not the Baptist arrangement. We believe that when we die, we go to be with the Lord. And when we do that, we are going to see things differently. And we're going to see that Jesus sees us as children. Jesus sees us as family. That's pretty cool. Jesus loves you so much that he calls you brothers and sisters. And also that we are children. So all of those images are leading us to the same place. This is where it is. We are family with God. We are family with Christ. Secondly, Christ is for you. The whole thing is he's for you. He's your hero. He's your liberator. He's your consecrator. He's that for you. So if we really believe that, then that would, hey man, that might change my day. You know what I mean? I might not feel so blah, you know. I may give up a little bit the banality of life if I actually thought this. Wow. Okay. So it invites you and me to receive that. And then thirdly, of course, will we be attentive and will we not drift away? Why? Because Jesus has done all of this for us. Jesus is our trailblazer, we're saying. Jesus is our pathfinder. Cheryl was saying when she was looking for images, when I put in pathfinder, what do I see? I see all these cars. That's what's coming up. Cars and cars and CRVs and everything, whatever they are. There is that, but he's also our pathfinder. You wake up and you are lost in the woods, Dante says. What is going to lead you out through all of that? The pathfinder. So Jesus helps us find our path. We'll do that for us if we walk with him in this year. In Christ's name, amen.